What's up, buds? Sending it back in along the left-hand side. 7.40 to go. Puck in front. Connolly with a chance. And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! Eller gets the rebound and puts it home. And Washington leads it. 4-3 with 7.37 to go. The Tiger pouncing at the moment that he can potentially be the hero. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today we have friend of the podcast. I'm not even going to qualify it. I think we can call her friend of the podcast now. Uh, Samantha Pell making, I think, maybe her fifth or sixth appearance on Japers Rink Radio. Kind of keeping an annual tradition alive where we bring in the Washington Post beat writer to preview a playoff series. So, uh, Samantha, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing better than the... Washington Capitals from an injury standpoint, that's for sure. I'm I'm gonna give myself a B plus for that transition. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna like I, I think the way I'm gonna ask this is let's start like because I, I think we all want injury updates. That's like kind of the thing we all want. So let's start in terms of maybe least concerning to most concerning. So I guess let's start with Ovechkin and Backstrom. They both played on uh, on Tuesday, and I think they look fine. So is there any kind of concern about those two going forward at this point, you think? Yeah, you know, I would say that Backstrom seems fine to me. I think, you know, as much as Peter Laviolette said that, that you know, maybe wasn't rest um, with Backstrom and Carlson, I think, you know, obviously we are getting close to the playoffs now, and it was, you know, one of the couple last games of the season. So, it, you know, even if they were a little dinged up, um, I think it was best for them to sit. So I'm not that concerned about Backstrom. I think Ovechkin showed some great progress there, obviously playing 19 minutes. Um, that's pretty regular for him, seemed he'd be moving well. I think, you know, Alan May kind of mentioned uh, that he thought he was skating, you know, maybe some of his best this season. So I think from an injury standpoint, those two should be fine. I think obviously Ovechkin is a little bit more concerning than Backstrom um, at this point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, Justin Schultz has been kind of in and out mm-hmm. of the lineup for months now. I feel like I've I've kind of, I, I tweeted out a little bit ago that I, it doesn't seem like he's been a hundred percent since like March, maybe, but like, I guess it seems like Schultz is going to play, but is there any kind of latent concern about Justin Schultz at this point for the Caps? Yeah, you know, Schultz is going to play. And I think, you know, throughout Schultz's career, especially in Pittsburgh, they're late. I mean, injuries were a problem, right? That was one of the kind of big storylines with him and how he couldn't really stay healthy there. So maybe it is a little bit concerning in the back of their minds, but I think with Justin, we've seen that he is able to play through some things and the Caps have the luxury to kind of suit up six defensemen, even without a Carlson in the lineup or, um, you know, without a Schultz. So they've had some time to let Justin sit. And I think maybe that's the biggest thing. I think with a lot of these injuries, these guys would have been ready if it was game one of the first round last week or two weeks ago. But this was about, you know, the Capitals were already in a good place. You kind of already know where they're going to end up in the first round. You know, there's very little opponents here. Um, So it seems like they were just trying to be very precautionary on all fronts. And hopefully, I mean, it works out for them in the first round. Yeah. Okay. And then now we're going to go to two players that uh, did not play on Tuesday. And I think it's kind of been a little bit of a mixed bag Uh, with John Carlson. You know, it seems like the universal expectation is he's going to play and uh, Mm -hmm. TJ Oshie, I, he didn't play and and I haven't seen much of him. So is there any concern about those two or do you expect them to be in the lineup? 
I would expect Carlson to be in the lineup. I think Carlson's very similar to Backstrom, but Carlson actually had a lower body injury earlier this season. So he was actually out for an injury that we actually saw on the ice, you know, getting hit with a, uh, with a puck and kind of hobbling to the bench there. So I think with Carlson, just another banged up, dinged up thing. I think he'll be ready. Uh, with TJ Oshie, that's probably the most concerning out of the whole bunch. We haven't even seen TJ on the ice in the practice facility. Um, just the way that he went down and kind of the awkward, slow way he went to the bench. Um, I think on a broadcast, it caught him say something popped. Um, you never want to hear anything no, like that you don't. Um, from a player. So that's probably the most concerning from our standpoint. You know, again, he's still listed as day-to-day, but at this point in the season, I think everyone is a day-to-day situation. I'm not sure if teams would even say they're week-to-week. Yes. Um, at this point, <laughs> yeah. obviously, you got to think about matchups and coaching. So, oh, she's definitely probably the most concerning. It would not surprise me whatsoever if he's not in the lineup on Saturday or um, even come game two, but maybe we see him later. Or, you know, he makes a miraculous appearance at practice today. There you go. That that very well could happen. We are we are recording this before the Capitals practice. So uh, the classic, uh, you know, there could be all of these players could show up, including the next two I'm going to ask about. And uh, I kind of want to also ask about the journalism angle of this a little bit, too. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Ilya Samsonov uh, are... I, I guess we can maybe say that they got COVID again. Uh, it, it seems a little unclear at this point still. Uh, I know Kuznetsov is still on the NHL COVID protocol list. And uh, the only reason Samsonov is not at this point is because he's on the taxi squad. So what is the outlook for those two? And what do we know? And uh, I guess kind of like what, what, what's the, what's the, do we have any kind of idea or prognosis going forward at this point, particularly given that the last two times or the last time these two got COVID uh, they were, kind of needed to be eased back into the lineup? Yeah, so long story short, we don't have a lot of answers, again, with this (laughs) COVID-19 protocol situation. Um, I know a lot of people kind of want clarity on how these players can get back on a COVID-19 list when both kind of admitted that they had the coronavirus, they had all these symptoms. Um, They both kind of really struggled with it. They said they were sick for a few days. Sam Snov, I remember, said he had trouble breathing at some point, had trouble even walking. So obviously that's problematic um, when you think about if they actually did get sick again and they did test positive. But um, if everyone remembers, so today is Thursday. This is this would be day 10 that Kuznetsov and uh, probably Ilya Samsonov would be on the COVID list. And the last time the Russians were on the COVID list, Ovechkin, Orlov, Kuznetsov, Samsonov, Ovechkin and Orlov did not test positive. They did not test positive. And they ended up being on the list for 10 days because of contact tracing. Sure. So that's kind of the caveat that I think a lot of people, it's going to be a pretty big tell, I think, uh, if they're off the list today or if they're off the list tomorrow. Um, just because that would mean they're kind of past that 10 day threshold of, okay, they just maybe ran into someone who had, was positive and they're in contact tracing and they've been in quarantine for the last 10 days, or in fact, they were positive and they are sick again. So there's a lot of different things up in the air right now. And no, we don't really have a lot of answers, (laughs) uh, which is, you know, obviously a little bit frustrating all around. Um, Nothing's really being shared on that standpoint, but it seems like you know, from all the conversations that I've had, it, you know, they might be back uh, for the first round. But then again, you have to think of that timetable of, okay, what if they haven't been on the ice for 10 days? Yeah. What if they haven't been on the ice for 14 days? Should they be thrown into a playoff situation, especially Samsonov? Yes. No, that makes sense. I mean, Kuznetsov, I guess you would almost say is 
I, like I don't I don't even know who the Caps third center is if Kuznetsov isn't Correct. in the lineup, right? It's so, kind of like, an emergency situation with yes, Kuznetsov. Yeah, I think so yeah, so he <laughs> might have to play, right? Like, you know, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a mess, huh? It's, it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, <laughs> train wreck, uh, all, yes. all the other words. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was a depressingly long amount of time to talk about injuries. Although, you know, I think that probably majority of the people that we talked about will be back for game one. So at least that's something. Uh, I'm going to let's let's talk briefly about a player who is definitely going to be in game one. Uh, and uh, the, the discourse around him has kind of tired me a little bit. And that's, of course, Tom Wilson. Uh, I haven't had you on the podcast since the Rangers fiasco. Uh, but I, I think I want to ask you not so much about the Rangers fiasco, but about Tom Wilson's play itself. I know that we had Alan May on a few weeks ago, and he said that since the Carlo hit, he's kind of seen Wilson be in a little bit of an in-between place. Like, have you noticed the same thing with Wilson? And do you do you kind of see, where, where do you think the balance needs to lie in Wilson's game for him to be effective? Yeah, I don't want to say that Wilson's been like unsure in his game, just like just watching it purely from my standpoint. But it seems like, you know, maybe he's not as aggressive as he was um, or should be just in the role that he's in. You know, the Capitals obviously brought Wilson in. You know, he's tough, he's physical, and it seems like he's not really shying away from that. Obviously, he's still been in confrontations, still, you know, sure. can throw hits, but it seems like he's not doing it as much. You just don't really see him pop as much on the ice, which is, you know, usually a big tell with guys if you notice them on the ice. Obviously, they're doing something um, good or bad, but it seems like with Tom, he's just kind of been uh, there. Uh, which is not always great. And he's, he's been on the third line, you know, since the whole Rangers fiasco and whether that was, you know, at first I thought to maybe limit his minutes um, in the first game back and just kind of get him out there. But now it's kind of been a reoccurring thing, um, which I've found a little bit interesting. So we'll see moving forward. What Peter Laviolette does with Wilson was this kind of a little bit of a wake up call for him. And was it kind of a challenge to, okay, you need to, you know, start getting on the board again. Cause you know, to start the season, he was having a great offensive year. I yep. think a lot of people thought um, they, kind of saw it as a breakout year and then all of a sudden it kind of after I think after the Carlo hit honestly um and after the suspension it just kind of went down again so yeah I think Tom's game right now probably needs to go back up to a playoff ready level and he just really hasn't been producing as consistently as you know a Nicholas Backstrom or a TJ Oshie who's honestly been probably carrying the team yeah no that makes sense that makes sense all right well let's do a hard pivot towards the uh the seven game series the Capitals have awaiting them and uh that is of course they are playing the Boston Bruins and uh, you hear me sigh because uh I don't know. So I, I kind of can't help but feel like the Caps caught a bit of a bad break facing Boston, like mm -hmm. versus the Islanders. So I don't know. Do you, do you see this as a tough matchup for the Caps? Do you think they would have rather played the Islanders at this point? I think if they were to have to choose between the two, they probably would have gone with the Isles just because of their record. Um, you know, they did win all three of those games late in the season. They swept them. Obviously, they were tough games. They were, you know, low scoring, low shooting. I think it would have been obviously a more boring series, honestly. <laughs> well, um, what, what, one of the games, literally, there was no goals at all no until goals. the shootout. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so I'm not sure if the Capitals would really want to go against, you know, Trotz's defensive systems and just everything that you know, the Owls have got going there, um, but they have seemed to be trending downward versus the Bruins who now seem to, you know, be cup contenders again. And they seem to kind of be coming back. Obviously Taylor Hall um, has been having, you know, a breakout. I don't even know the last couple of weeks. So, <laughs> really ever since um, he came to Boston. Yeah. Right? Really, really ever since he came to Boston, um, it was Taylor Hall. Uh, so I, 
I think it's going to be a really tough matchup. I think, you know, anything goes in the playoffs. It is kind of a clean slate. I mean, the Capitals have Chara. Haven't really touched on that yet, but do the Caps kind of go out and play for Chara situation? Um, You know, how much is that a motivating factor? How much is Chara's knowledge of the Bruins a motivating factor or kind of an X factor in the playoffs? But I think definitely matchup-wise, the Caps goalies haven't been great against Boston all season. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's a little bit problematic. And who knows who we even get as our game one starter. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> more, more, on, more on that a little bit later, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, definitely a lot of open questions. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about though, is obviously you you alliterated a Taylor Hall uh, and he's really solidified Boston's second line. So I like, obviously Boston presents a unique challenge with Taylor Hall in the sense that they have two really good scoring lines that can drive play. So who do we think is going to match up versus the perfection line in the second line? Do we think that LaViolette has preferences on who plays who, or do you kind of think that it's just going to be best player on best player and uh, we'll see what happens? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because Peter LaViolette has been so consistent in the fourth line being kind of their shutdown line with Dowd and Haglin and Hathaway. But the issue with that is if you try to put them against the perfection line, then you have the fourth line out there for a lot more time than I'm sure uh, you want them out there for. And then you think, okay, maybe you want the Eller line out there, right? Um, Like a Sherry Eller raffle situation, uh, which Peter Leviat has done in the past against them. And Eller has been pretty good against that line. But again, same problem. Um, If, you know, Cassie is going to throw out the perfection line, you know, and Bergeron out there a lot, then you, want that line stuck out there for a long period of time. (laughs) Uh, I think ideally they probably want, you know, if Kuznetsov is back, you probably want a Backstrom line out there. Um, I think Backstrom obviously can handle that. The face-offs, everything that goes along with that, obviously. Um, But I have a feeling it's going to be whatever Eller is on. Um, And whether that's Sherry and Raffle or whether Eller is, I don't even know, with Wilson and Sprog. (laughs) Like, there's so many different combinations. But I do think the center there should be Eller. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, I actually, not to not to hint at my own thing, we have a Japers Rick roundtable where I, <laughs> Lars Eller is the player I identified yeah. as being one of the most important in the series. Um, with with that, you you wrote an. Uh, I'm going to ask you about the Chara article, then we're going to take a quick break, and I have a few more questions on the other side. But uh, you 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 talked about Chara, and uh, I know that that both you and Tarek kind of talked about this a little about like playing for Chara and also the fact that Chara was a Bruin for 14 years and maybe some kind of insider info that he has. What kind of role do you think Zdeno Chara is, is going to play in this series and uh, kind of tease your article a little bit? Yeah, I just think Chara has, it's kind of more, I think, a motivating factor for the Caps. I think obviously Chara can tell them all he wants about systems and how the Bruins work and how player tendencies work. But, you know, then again, the Caps have seen the Bruins eight times this season. (laughs) They've played them multiple times. It's not a new team just coming right off the bat. They're veteran guys. They've seen them time and time again. So I think while that is important and yeah, Chara does have some of those little inside information. I, I think it is more an emotional motivating. This is the playoffs. This is Chara coming back kind of rejected, honestly, from Boston. Um, and, you know, going to the Capitals and wanting to win a cup. So I think there's a lot at stake there. I think it's not really the same thing as a Ilya Kovalchuk last year with the Caps um, and his <laughs> run. But I, I think it is similar in the sense that you have, you know, two veteran guys kind of looking to win a cup with obviously Kobe's was his first one. Um, but with Char, just kind of a new setting to kind of prove something, I think, to everyone. Um that this is real and yeah. <laughs> he can kind of go out and do it again. And 
So I, I think it's just going to be a really heated emotional series. And I'm not sure how both teams will handle it. Um, honestly, I'm not sure how the emotions will go. If everyone's going to keep everything in check game one, or if <laughs> it's just going to be um, a little bit of craziness right off the bat. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, on the other side, I'm going to ask about the goaltending and uh, a little bit about a uh, rear uh, lead as a coach in the playoffs. So uh, with that, stay tuned. Welcome back to J Percent Radio. Still here with Samantha Pell. And uh, Samantha, I'm going to ask you about the goaltending. Uh, are, are we saying at this point that Vitek Vanacek won this job by default at this point? And like, <laughs> assuming Samsonov is not back, which I think we're at this point pretty safe to yeah. say, uh, who is the backup? I, oh, Craig Anderson is the backup, I okay. believe, for the Capitals. I just think everything points to him. I mean, Copley hasn't even been up here for Collie, not as well. So I think by default, Vanacek gets the game one start, uh, unless Peter Laviolette, you know, feels like they need a veteran like Craig Anderson in game one. Personally, I think Vitek's probably earned that game one start. Uh, I think without Vitek, you know, in the yeah. lineup for the Capitals this season, I'm not really sure where they would be. Uh, you know, I talked to Kevin Weeks the other day, actually, and he was saying it's pretty remarkable that the Capitals finished where they finished and their record. When you really think about everything that's happened from the very beginning with no Henrik Lundqvist, and then you have the Samsonov on COVID list situation, and then you turn to a rookie and he's kind of gone out and did what he did. And, you know, while Vanacek is obviously not the perfect goalie, um, nor is anyone, and he's obviously has his mistakes and his flaws, and you can obviously see it in all the charts and the stats, um, he has been there and he has been able to kind of just give the Capitals a chance to win. And that's really all he needs to do in this playoff series. If he yep. is the game one starter, it's just <laughs> not lose chance, the series for them, not lose the series. But also <laughs> I think a lot of us want to see him make the saves that he shouldn't make. And I'm not sure that he's made a lot of those saves this season. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, goalies can steal games in the playoffs and I think the Capitals probably need him or hope that he can at least steal one or two for them. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 just a quick stat interjection there that uh, Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov have two of the lowest save percentages on high danger chances in the NHL. And so, yeah, it's uh pal, you're, you're Samantha, you're right on there that uh, it's, it's, they've, they've really struggled, I think in terms of making the saves that you maybe wouldn't expect a goalie to make. And uh, I guess real, real quick, where, where are we where are we at with the Caps and Samsonov at this point? Because I, I I get the sense that there's a lot of frustration with Samsonov. I definitely think there's a lot of frustration at this point. I mean, you go all the way back to last year and he wasn't available for the postseason because of an off-ice, you know, incident in Russia involving an ATV. And, you know, he has his really long rehab. He can't experience the postseason at all. The bubble, kind of that getting to know, you know, all of his teammates even more situation. And then he comes into camp and it, you know, you, I guess the Capitals signed Henrik Lundqvist. And now there's a situation of, oh, is Samsonov even going to be the number one? Is he going to be the number two? All of a sudden Lundqvist is out. Seems like Samsonov gets number one by default. Um, but then he is still kind of in the middle because Laviolette kind of still goes back and forth with Samsonov and VTech. And then, you know, the rest of the story. But I think with Samsonov, it's just frustration that they're keeping on being more off ice stuff than on ice. I think if Samsonov was, you know, fantastic on ice and um, there are very little kind of off ice issues, this wouldn't be a problem, but it's everything that's happening outside the rink. Yeah. And it's everything that's happening that keeps on popping up at 
probably the worst times. Yep. <laughs> um, like it's it's not like you can kind of get over it and get through it. It's okay. This happened last season right before the playoffs. This happened right at the beginning of the season when you have no goalie option. Now it's happening again right before the postseason, where again you really don't have goalie options. Yes. Um, it'd be different if they went out and got a veteran goalie at the trade deadline, and you know this was just something else. So. I think there is frustration all around. I think everyone's also seen the reports of Kuznetsov maybe being traded in the offseason. So I think overall it is frustration amongst everyone, and I'm not sure kind of where the Capitals go from here. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to ask a question that uh, I, I I hate asking because it might be outdated, but uh, <laughs> let's let, let's say Kuznetsov is out for a few uh, games. How do we think the centers are even going to work at this point? It's a great question. I was thinking about this in the last game, watching that uh, preseason game against the Providence Bruins yep. <laughs> um, in the season finale. And I kept looking and I was like, okay, could this be the game one lineup if Kuznetsov's not out there? I think I think it's safe to assume, let's just say at this point, you know, no Kuznetsov, no Oshi, um, no Samsonov, just for the sake of it. Sure. And the Capitals are going to have to pull, you know, a taxi squad center probably or a wing um, to fill that (laughs) to fill that third center they had not um, you know they had tried car I think at wing they moved Raffle to center at some point Pilon has been in there Um, Malay was in there last time as the third line center so whether you know Oshi was kind of their wild card they can move Oshi to center we saw that multiple times when Backstrom or Kuznetsov were out and that was kind of their safety net and if Oshi isn't there uh, that is also kind of why they got Raffle. Yep. He can play center. Laviolette likes him more at wing. Uh, so where is he better suited? You know, Laviolette loves matchups and lines and, you know, who works better defensively. So is he willing to sacrifice a raffle to a third line when maybe he'd be better on a wing on a second line? Um, sure. So it's really hard to say at this point. Again, I really don't have good answers if Kuznetsov's out and especially if Oshie's out because that, he could be kind of that backup center. So best guess is they're going to pull someone from the taxi squad. (laughs) Best Um, best guess shrug emoji, I guess, right? Best (laughs) guess shrug emoji. We haven't even talked about Scarbosa, who's usually that first fill-in. He just really hasn't been this season. I was going to say, we haven't seen him at all this season, basically, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think he got called up maybe once. I think Carr has honestly been the go-to. And this is, again, after Sherry and Sprong. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) 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 that was already very deep in their depth chart. Um, so yeah, we could, we could definitely see a player that very little people know of, um, as the third line center for game one. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's certainly something. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess another kind of downstream effect is, uh, I, 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 as a lot of Capitals fans are, I will be honest, deeply concerned that this series could go sideways, uh, pretty quickly. So one of the things that Brendan Dillon is a player that's been interesting to me this year and how playing weirdly with Trevor Van Riemsdyk seems to have worked <laughs> with him. So are we saying that maybe if this goes sideways, we could see TVR in the lineup? And kind of if so, what would be the downstream effects of that? Yeah, I think TVR is another one of those like wild card X Factor situations of he's been great uh, when he's been called upon, you know, with Brendan Dillon. You know, obviously we'll get to that as well. But I'm not sure that there is place for TVR in the lineup. You know, when Carlson comes back, it seems like they would revert back to their, you know, Dylan Carlson, Orlov Schultz, Chara Jensen. And out of those six, I mean, I guess for you, like who would you take out of those six 
for TVR? Yeah, no, that's a tough question, right? I mean, like, I, I it, when when Justin Schultz was hurt, that was easy, but now right. that he's probably not, you know, it's it's a tougher question, huh? Right, and I think I think that's the issue, and I think while Dylan has played well with TVR, and it seems like he's gotten better um, after kind of a was it the New York road trip, not this last one, but the previous one on Long Island that things maybe went south for him. And oh, I, yeah. I, there was the the eight goals they gave up right. against the Islanders and everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that was maybe the moment where a lot of people were down on Brendan Dillon and they were thinking, okay, is this guy really going to be, you know, with Carlson on the top pairing for yeah. all this time? And I think he has gotten better. I think obviously there's defensively, they've kind of got things together systematically. I think everyone's more on the same page and where they want to be. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm really not sure what they do. I think the most likely thing, kind of like what we saw with the Sprong situation is even though they're playing well, they are probably the last ones in the lineup in the depth chart and you just have to take them out. Sure. Um, and you have to get the guys who you signed uh, to big money to come in. Yeah. And, you know, if someone messes up, you know, I think it's very similar to a goalie situation. If players aren't performing well in the first couple of games, at least you have options. And that's why the Capitals have, you know, a bunch of defensemen stacked up. You still have a Martin Faravari. You have maybe a Michael Kempney. You have all these guys who are still there kind of waiting uh, mm-hmm. in case things go south. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, all right. A couple of questions and then we'll, 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 we'll sneak out of here. Um, so you've seen Reardon as a, as a coach in the playoffs, I think really struggled to make adjustments. What kind of edge do you think LaViolette presents, particularly being a veteran coach that's been in the playoffs a whole bunch of times? I think Laviolette's probably one of the biggest X factors for this Capitals team headed into game one and just into this first round series, just because I think, you know, Laviolette came in here to be a motivator, to push buttons, to kind of get this group back on track after two first round exits. And I really am not sure if the Capitals would be where they are right now without Laviolette. Um, I know a lot of people maybe question coaching or how much does coaching really play a role in it, but I really do think this season just the way that he's been around the group, the way he's kind of pulled everyone together and all these different situations. Um, I think he's a coach that players want to play for. Um, I'm doing something on Laviolette actually later this week, and I talked to John Carlson for it. And, you know, I think he said something to the effect of, look, like everyone likes him. Like, he's like, I can say that. Like Everyone (laughs) likes him. Like even before he was hired, you know, John said that he reached out to people or people reached out to him and said, oh, you're really going to like him. Like, this is what he does. This is how he operates. And he said everyone was 100 percent correct in their assessment to a T, like everything people said about him. Um, it's how he acts. So I think players, you know, like to play for him. They want to play for him. And I think especially in the playoffs, I mean, Laviolette's led all of these teams to, you know, pretty, pretty good runs um, in his yeah. career. And I think he just knows what it takes to win. And I'm sure you know, in a season like this as well, they're all kind of looking at him, um, at least for a little bit of guidance, even though they're all vets. No, that makes sense. And uh, all right, uh, let's, let's conclude this way. I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction because you are the <laughs> beat writer and all that stuff, but describe to me what a Caps win in this series would look like, maybe. Because I think I think that's the toughest part as a, a you know, I, I look at this and I say, oh, the Bruins have two really good lines that I think are matchup nightmares. They have Charlie McElvoy, who can play a million minutes. So I guess describe what, what would a Caps win in this series look like? Like I went overall in the series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They beat the Bruins. What do you, what do you think that looks like? How do I they think do it? That looks like Alex Ovechkin is fully healthy, no restrictions, no setbacks. Um, I think, I think Vitek Vanacek has to steal at least one game. It has to be 
at least a couple kind of crazy saves that you would not expect him to make that he makes. Um, I think it's defensively sound all around. You kind of can't have those breakdowns as they've kind of had up and down this season. I think Boston, they're going to get their goals. Um, I don't think there's any stopping Boston in that sense. I think the Capitals are going to have to keep up offensively. And that's where, you know, missing guys like TJ Oshie um, or Evgeny Kuznetsov probably hurts them the most if they are out, just because the Caps do need that offense. I don't think they can go to Boston and win, you know, 2 1 um, or 1 0. The, I think these are going to be, you know, 4 3, 4 2. Kind of yeah. yeah, definitely down to the wire. I, over time, why not? Um, but, but I, I definitely think if the caps go and they win the series against Boston, it's going to be, it's going to have to all be their leaders stepping up. It's going to have to be Vanacek stealing a couple. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like a Connor Sherry had a couple breakout games just because of how much, you know, depth is meant to them this season. I like, Um, I like a dark horse pick. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. And I'll ask, I'll ask for one more, uh, a Samantha Pell bonus prediction. How okay. many games will go to overtime? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, let's see. <laughs> Apply your rigorous, <laughs> detailed analysis to that. <laughs> um, well, I, I, in my opinion, I think this series is probably going six or seven um, either way. So let's, let's go with a conservative three or two. Two, Not three. okay. All I right, okay. Two. I, I think I think my my heart rate will uh, will will appreciate only a couple of games going yeah. overtime as as will your uh, having to scramble and completely delete stories right before a deadline, huh? Yeah, I mean now that I said this out loud, it's going to go all six or all seven. Um, so I'll point <laughs> to this podcast uh, when yes. it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be like uh, the Caps uh, the Caps so oh boy when the, when they played the the Blue Jackets, it was like yes. every game went to overtime or whatever. And like multiple overtimes, like we haven't even talked about multiple overtimes. Oh, the, the, the yeah, the Samantha Pell special, right? <laughs> oh, you know, obviously on a platter, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, uh, we'll, we'll call we'll call a wrap here for this uh, special preview edition. Uh, Samantha, where can people find you and uh, your various writings and musings and all of that stuff? Yeah, all my writings, all my thoughts, all my OT memes um, are all on my Twitter <laughs> at Samantha J. Pell. Yeah, all our writings on WashingtonPost.com. Uh, it'll be mostly me, I think, for a lot of our playoff coverage. But obviously, you know, we have our columnists, other writers, obviously everyone kind of pitching in here. So a lot of previews coming up um, in the next couple of days. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And uh, you can find me at, at GregY underscore JR. You can find the show at, at Japers Rig Radio. If you like it, please rate, rate, subscribe, review, do all of those things. It really helps people find the show and all of that. And uh, Samantha, uh, hopefully we will have you on in a couple of weeks to preview whoever the Caps will play next. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 